The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab number 306 for Thursday, December 23rd, Festivus 2010. Welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab here in Durham, New Hampshire. And yes, it's a little bit of a surprise that we're doing a show today. I am Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, where I just saw some flurries. Maybe we'll have a white Christmas, Dave. I don't know. Uh, John F. Braun. Uh, yeah, I'm shocked too, Dave. I thought you said we weren't going to do a show until, uh, you know, next year. Well, some things have happened. Uh, What's happening? Well, uh, going in reverse order. Uh, I did an interview with Paul Kent earlier this week about Macworld Expo, and I wanted to make sure we uh, shared that with everybody here. But uh, but then you went ahead and got uh, you got your new machine that we talked about in uh, in show three hundred five. You got your Mac Mini, and I figured what better what, what better opportunity? We'll talk a little bit about your Mac Mini here, and uh, and then we'll share this interview that uh, that I did with Paul and and. We have a contest to announce. In fact, let's do that first. For all of you going to Macworld Expo, listen up. We have one super pass and two user conference passes to give away. And you know, when we do contests here, uh, if we haven't done one right before, we love haikus, right? We love haikus. So uh, we're doing it again. What we need you to do is come up with a haiku it can be anything but it must be your own work and and by saying that really what we mean is uh it it must be something we can't google and find elsewhere right uh but it must be your own work you can submit as many as you want we will review all of them and uh sometime not next week but but uh first week of january get get them in by uh get them in before the end of the year if you need to slip them in you know over the new year's day weekend that's okay uh, and let us, you know, send these into us. We're going to review all of them. We're going to pick our top three and we're going to give out a Macworld Expo super pass and two Macworld Expo user conference passes. These are get you into uh, sessions. We'll put, we'll put a link up in the, uh, uh, in the show notes so you can, you can figure out and, and see what, uh, what sessions these will, uh, these will get you into, but, uh, great, great value. Uh, and you, of course you get it for free. You need to be going to Macworld Expo or live, you know, close enough to, to be able to go. Uh, this that does not include travel or, or any of that stuff, but it does include a free ticket to Macworld Expo. So, uh, and of course the joy that you're going to get coming up with these haikus. So, uh, send them into us feedback at MacGeekGab.com is a perfect place to send them. And Dave, uh, Dave, uh, two things. So yes. one, I believe you said feedback at MackieGab.com, but I just, <laughs> no, I, I just want to make sure and you and I always do this, which uh, I think the listeners appreciate. What is a haiku you may ask? And, and I, let, let me try to describe, but I think I know what it is, Dave. So, so okay. I believe it's, it's a, it, uh, the, the Japanese came up with it, but I think what we're looking for is a poem, which has, I think the total is 17 syllables and the first I'll call it verse is five. The second verse is seven, and the last verse is five. That's right. Okay, just just want to be clear what we consider a haiku. I suppose you could deviate. A, no, we're you. You got to do it. Five seven five. That that's a haiku. That that's how it's defined. So 
you know, you may have to get creative in the words you're going to pick to do this, but, but uh, right. to, just to get back to the definition of a haiku. That's right. So, yep. So send them in. We will, of course, read our, uh, our favorites on the show. And, uh, and of course, you know, you, you get your, uh, you get your macro pass. So yeah, send those in feedback at MacGeekCab.com. Yes. Yes. Uh, all right. So John, your computer, you, uh, you got your, the, the Mac mini, you told us that you ordered, it has arrived. And in fact, in fact, I believe you're podcasting on it right now. I am. This is the maiden voyage okay. podcast voyage of the mini. Great. Well, and you, you know, sound I, good. I, I, I just got to say, Dave, I am. I'm so pleased with how Apple has done this. And, and I challenge windows people to be able to say they can do this. So, I did two things. So the reason I did this, I'll, I'll try to be brief here. But my MacBook, my, well, no, my, my, yeah, right. I know. Yuck it up, Hamilton. But anyways, no. So my, my MacBook Pro, which, as you recall, is having trackpad issues, just arrived. And, and you're right, Dave. I think it used to be Tennessee, but it's in Texas. So I just got a FedEx notice. It's in Texas. As we speak, and hopefully they can recreate the intermittent trackpad issue that I had. Now, are you, are you checking the status of your repair online uh, obsessively? Because no. you can do that and you can no. see if it's like waiting to go on the bench, well, on the bench, done yeah, with yeah. the bench. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that after this. But okay. I, I got a notification. I got a FedEx notification saying it's been signed for. And then I got a thing from Apple. So, you know, kudos to Apple saying, yeah. hey, we receive your machine. Not not shortly thereafter. So I'll, I'll check after we do this. Good. So they have the machine. Uh, my only worry, because I was looking through the paperwork and that they said, you know, if we look at the machine and we determine there's nothing wrong with it, we may have to charge you a hundred dollar bench fee. Blah, blah, I'm hoping. Blah. Well, the you've thing got, is, I, I describe care, man. That's well, the problem is, I describe to them what is an intermittent problem. They may not be able. And I told the guy, I'm like, you know, this may happen over the course of a day, but I definitely see evidence of it in the console. And he's like, eh, okay. But he took the notes. Good. So we'll see. But anyways, Good. so in order to tide me over, my initial thought was, you know, well, I'll try to take my, you know, data and put it on my G5. And I'm like, you know, that that's just that's just a pain in the neck. I, I can't do this. So I decided, you know, let, let me go for a new machine. You know, every six years or so is good because my G5, although a fine machine, is dated. It's a Motorola processor. It's running Leopard. So I decided, let me get a Mini. And I was looking at the pricing of the Mini, and the, and the pricing was pretty reasonable. I got this one for under 700 bucks. It was the basic model with 2 gigs RAM, 320 gig hard drive. And the first thing I did, so I did two things. So number one, I took the, the drive out of my MacBook and put it in a USB enclosure and, and here was the part where I got nervous. I'm like, can I boot from this on the Mini? And the answer is yes. It worked great. I, I know we, we had some people who told us about issues trying to boot from an external drive that had Mac OS X, especially with the i5, i7, but I saw none of that evidence. So that worked but you great. Don't, you don't have an i5 or an i7, right? It's just a Core 2 Duo, correct? Correct. correct. Okay, got it. Okay. Yeah, so, so that that's probably why I didn't yeah. have that problem. But, you know, it booted up. I mean, some things came up. For example, battery monitor was like, well, I can't find a battery, dude. Uh, and I think the only thing I did is I rebuilt the kernel and system caches just because, the, the, I mean, the OS is hardy enough to say, okay, I realize I'm on a different machine, but pretty much everything worked as, as I expected it to. And then the other thing I did was migrated my G5 over, and that also went smoothly, Dave. So this was, so I, I also got an OWC external FireWire 800 and USB 2 case. Okay. And did the import of... Um, of all my data into the hard drive on, on this machine. And that went smoothly as well. You know, it took a little while to pull all the data in, but you know, the, the, as you boot the machine up, it says, Hey, do you want to import data from an external drive? And I'm like, yes. And it's like, okay, well, how about this one? And I'm like, cool. 
Huh. And that worked fine too. I mean, there was some software, and I've been for a while when I downloaded software, I, I would I, I made an effort to make sure that my apps were universal apps. So for the most part, there wasn't any surprises as far as how everything worked on the boot right. yeah, of this I, machine. Once once I used migration assistance, and, and go ahead. Well, no, I was going to say the of course. The, actually, the machine that I'm podcasting on was uh, previously a G five iMac right the white mm-hmm. iMac and then you know I had those firewire issues Apple replaced it and so now it's a you know it's a it's a core 2 duo iMac uh, and, but this was several years ago but I did the I did the migration assistant and yeah I you know going from from PowerPC over to Intel was fine and of course the OS even when you do migration assistant, the OS is still the OS that came with the iMac, right? It's not pulling the OS over from the, oh, absolutely. In, from, you know, from the G5. But, but of course it pulled all my apps and all my startup stuff. And I, I remember there being quite a few things that I wound up going into activity monitor, you know, sorting by, uh, uh, uh platform. What, what is the, uh, what is the category there? There's a category there. Um, yeah, you can have it show you. It, it's a column, and the column is an, an activity monitor kind. Yes, kind. Right. So I sorted by kind and and found quite a few PowerPC things running. Uh, you know, there were just mm-hmm. legacy stuff that I needed to upgrade or whatever. But you know, it's obviously been several years, so you're you're probably far more universalized on your G5 than I was. You know, back whenever this all yeah. happened. Yeah. Because again, I was on Leopard. Um, right. Oh, right. Yeah. So everything came over pretty much. I mean, a few things obviously would not run, like a virtual PC. Forget it. Right. Yeah, but now you can run Parallels or VMware and exactly. Virtual Box, and that's way better. Yeah. So I've been, I've been, you know, I've been trying out different apps that I use on the desktop machine, and you know, some of them I'll, I'll you know, so get info in the Finder, and if it's Power PC, I'll make sure. But, but I've been doing this all along. So for anybody who does have a G5 or you know earlier machine. You know, if you, if you make an effort to upgrade your apps to universal apps, then you'll have a smoother transition as uh, I did. The, the hardest thing, Dave, was I wanted to use. So I had the one terabyte, three and a half inch SATA drive in the G5. And I wanted to use that with the mini. OK, obviously, and, you can't put another drive inside the mini. So no, no, I haven't but, been in there yet. But but, you know, it has the uh, screw off bottom, which, you know, yeah. of course, the, the RAM access is easy and I have some RAM on the way. OK, because I'll cool. tell you right now, two gigs is not enough. <laughs> I, I well, no, it, it was an experiment. Of and I, I decided to experience the pain for, you know, both myself and a learning experience and for the listeners. But I, I can say at least the way I use it and. My needs are modest. I mean, I'm running Safari, which is probably the problem. Yeah. And Twitter and Mail App and a few other things. And it already started swapping and paging out and, and stuff. So, yeah, two gigs is clearly not not enough. Okay. So, yeah, you may buy the machine like I did and then get some memory afterwards or order it. I think Apple has is, is been pretty reasonable with the pricing of the increased memory on this. Um, but here's what I did with it. And, and this was the uh, fun part here. So I had the external case. It's a FireWire 800 case. And initially, it was one partition, one terabyte. Now, again, Dave, I'm, you know, growing as a, as a person or as a Mac user. And so I hooked it up, and it had the old time capsule uh, or time machine backup on it. Okay. Which, of course, it's one terabyte, and the amount taken was, was way smaller than that. Okay. You know, maybe 200 gigs. 
in the time machine file. So one was doing the hokey pokey, trying to convince this machine to use that. And there is an article, I think we've linked to it in the past. We'll link to it again. Where you, the, the thing is the time machine backup is hooked to the Mac address of the ethernet interface in the machine you're using. And if it's right. different, it's just going to try to create a new one. Well, I'll qualify that in, in some cases, if it's a similar drive, there's a new feature and maybe we'll talk about it later. But in this case, it, it just tried to make a new backup. And I'm like, oh, okay, let me find that article. And the thing is, you have to dig around in some invisible files and convince and basically place the MAC address. So you have to do two things. One is you have to introduce a, uh, that there's a, I think, FS ACL command, where you okay. have to change the access control list on the time machine drive. Um. Normally, you don't have to worry about this at all. Now, here's the problem, Dave. This command is not included in Snow Leopard. Really? Yeah, it's FSACL. I, I forget the whole command yeah, okay. off the top of my head. But it's not in a fresh install, which of course I had. It's not in a fresh install of Snow Leopard. So what do you do? What do you do? What would well, one do? Yeah. <laughs> I actually found someone else who, who wrote an article, and we'll link to this as well. Leopard has this command. Okay. Now, you may ask, well, how am I going to get this command from Leopard? Well, the way I did it is I used uh, Pacifist. And my Leopard DVD, which right. I still had, and pulled this command out, put it in slash user slash sbin. Then I was able to run this because if you don't run this uh, fsacl command, that's not the entire name of the command, but close enough, um, it's not going to work. Once I did that, and then I told the mini, okay, point to this, and here's the time machine. It said, oh, I recognize you. By the way, I'm going to purge some older ones because I don't have quite enough room and stuff. The other thing I did is, uh, and and this I had never done, is a non-destructive resize of the. Uh, so, so I created oh, hang two on. partitions. So, so slow down for a second, because you went right. through, you jumped through a lot of hoops to make your time, your old time right. machine backup work. Go rain with, me in, man. Work with your your new your new machine. Mm. Um, I I and I used to. You know, we've talked about this before, and I used to be totally on board with, oh, yeah, got to preserve the time machine backup, got to preserve the, the state of the time machine backup, you know, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I've had several things happen over the last year where I've been in a situation, you know, when they replaced my motherboard in my in my MacBook Pro. And then I actually had a problem where my time machine backup was acting kind of flaky and it was clear it needed it had some corruption mm -hmm. or whatever. And uh in both of those cases, I kind of sat back and thought, you know, do I really care about data that's, you know, that old? And for me, I really don't. I, I need a current backup. You know, I need to be covered, all that stuff. But more than a week, and I really don't care. So in both of those instances, I said, you know what? Blow away the existing backup. We'll start I'm, fresh. I'm with you. Okay. Well, no, I'm not with you. No, no I saw this as a no. I saw this as a geek challenge. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I've been I was like, through can, it enough. Can I do this? Because when I saw it not doing what I wanted it to, I'm like, there has to be a way for me to convince this. Thing. Because I may want to. So my backups go back to 2008, and it's not just apps. I mean, I don't care about the apps because they've right. all changed anyways. Right. But more the data, which there is some data that I have exclusively on the G5 and now the Mini, and not my MacBook Pro. Right. So but I want to preserve but that. Do you but care it, about, it was a challenge. Do you care about the the version of a document that's two years old? I mean, it, I, you know, I may, I may, uh -huh. you may, I may. Yeah. Okay. Now, what I did, did though, and this is why I did the report. Partition, and here was the other part uh -oh. of the, the adventure. Something, something's so, happening. Something, something got funky there. But uh, okay, you're, you're, it sounds okay now. I, I think it was on my end, but but yeah, keep going. Okay, because right now, Dave, I'm definitely now in the past on the G5. I would 
frequently hit 100% on both cores. Yeah. Right now, I'm looking right now, I'm at about 25% on both cores. And I'm running not only Skype, but I'm also running Wiretap Studio because I do a backup recording uh, just in case you forget to press the button. <laughs> <laughs> now, hopefully we never both forget to press the button I have on occasion. Yeah. But then I was like, you know, I don't want. So, so I, I, I agree with you, Dave. So my strategy was I got this one terabyte, three and a half inch drive. I don't want to use the whole thing for time machine. You know what? I, right. I want to use half of it. And now here's the thing. This utility does have the ability. It's not very obvious, but, but I poked around did some Google Foo. You can repartition a drive and say, you know what? Make this partition smaller and make a new partition uh, so i started off saying well i want to make a 500 gig partition for time machine and i want to make a 500 gig partition for other stuff right okay so i tried to do that so so disutility would let me and i think it was running some sort of fsck uh, uh, there are some hfs and other fsck things underneath the covers that it tries to do but it kept coming right. up saying you know I, I can't do this for you i can't do it i can't do it and i'm like what is right it says it should be able to and then i realized here's the problem before that i had a huge file on the drive and i had deleted it but in the meantime i had also been doing time machine backups here's the problem can you guess my problem, Dave? Uh, no, go ahead. Fragmentation. Oh, right. So I had Time Machine backup. Then I had put this big other file. It was actually from my time capsule on that same drive. And then it continued to do the time capsule. So, of course, it had part of the Time Machine backup. Then it had this big monstrous file that was a backup file for my time capsule. And then it had more but the problem is that created a big fragment here's the problem with the resize thing if there's if you have fragmentation it's not going to work and it basically came back and said that so so it came back it basically tried for a while and said you know what why don't you change what you're asking me to do like make the resize smaller on one partition and larger on the other and maybe i can do it then and it couldn't and i'm like all right time to break out the big guns so did you you, use drive genius to defragment the drive absolutely once i did that (laughs) You guessed it. Yeah. Ah, great minds think alike. Once I used Drive Genius to defrag the drive, and so first I looked, and I'm like, oh, look at this big, huge hole in my drive, which was where that big monster's file was before. Right. So that took a little while to, to run. and actually took a couple hours, you know, let okay. it run overnight. And then once I did the resize, everything worked great. So now I have a 500 gig partition for the time machine backup, 500 gigs more for whatever I want to use it for. And then, you know, I did the the time machine, you know, uh, uh, changing of the MAC address and all that, so we would basically glom the next time machine back up onto the one that was uh, made prior. Because I may want to go back, but but it also started purging it. it. Said, you know what? I need this amount of space because there's a lot of stuff that's changed. I'm going to purge some of those old backups. So it's being smart, but I want to constrain it to 500 gigs. Cool. So so that's my story. But you know, obviously. You know, I'm running the same version of Skype. My processor is very low. Uh, I plug, you know, the same cables in, the audio in and audio out, and everything is working swimmingly. I'm, I'm, I'm just thrilled. That's awesome. Yeah, you, your um, your story, especially about the time machine volume, reminded me of something. Uh, and now is as good as a time as any to uh, to to throw it in here. Uh, I've had the opportunity for the past, I guess, the past couple of weeks, maybe three weeks, to test the Drobo FS which is, um, you know, the new consumer version of the Drobo. So the, the previous Drobo had four drive bays, right? And, and this one has five. And I'll get to why 
why you you reminded me of it, but I figure I'll just explain what this device is. So a Drobo uh, is the the concept. You have to understand the concept. The concept is you want some big volume on which you can store data, but you want the ability to a have it be fault tolerant and b you want to be able to expand the size if necessary without moving all your data around. And that's what you do with the Drobo. Uh, like I said, the first one has four bays. The, this one's got five. The Drobo FS has five. You put drives in, you just slide SATA drives in and it magically uh, increases the size of the volume that you've previously created. So you could start it with, you know, three drives put when, you know, uh, maybe you start it with three one terabyte drives and then you decide you need more. So you throw another one terabyte drive in, you know, then you throw another one in and you want more. So you take one of the one terabyte drives out and you put a two terabyte drive in its place and you don't lose any data in the process. It's magic. Uh, now, it, you know, similar to raid, but it's not raid. It's it's using Drobo's own uh, own magic. So this is the concept behind Drobo and it's fantastic. Uh you know, it's a great place to store time machine backups, um, a great place to archive all kinds of different things. And they've made some enhancements. So the, the first one had the the only way you could connect the first one to the network was to use something called Drobo Share, which was a little bit funky uh, or connect it to a Mac with Firewire uh, 400 or 800 or USB 2 and uh, and then share it from the Mac that way. And then everything could could get on the network. The new one has but one port on it, and it is a gigabit Ethernet port. Now, this is good for two reasons. One, it automatically shares itself on the network because there's no other way to access it. And 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 two, it has all of the file sharing stuff built into it. Uh, you can create different shares right there in the interface. Uh, you can create different users and give different permissions to different shares. And one of the coolest things about it, uh, and of course, sharing works for Mac and Windows, right? But you can create a time machine share. And see, normally with the Drobo, you're just creating shares and they can grow as big as they need to. And you can put more drives in and all that stuff. But with time machine, that's kind of a liability, right? Because time machine is going to fill up the size of the drive that it sees. Well, with these new time machine shares in the Drobo FS, you can set this, the maximum size of that share out of the gate and it will limit time machine to only using the amount of data that, uh, that you've told it to use, which is awesome because you can keep growing the rest of your Drobo without having to fight with time machine to keep it from, you know, completely taking over all of your data. Uh, so, so you, go ahead. So how, how do you, how do you do this, Dave? Is it an application or yes. a, Yep. Or web interface or, or both or uh, it's a it's an application on the Mac that you run mm -hmm. and okay. and it manages it and you, you set everything up that way. And it really it it works really, really well. I've been using it for my time machine backups for the last couple of weeks just to just to test it. And uh, and it, it's fantastic. I, I, it's so much simpler than the original Drobo it, it, to the point where I'm thinking, OK, well, if I had one of these that I was using full time. I don't even know that I'd need my dual G4 if it weren't running a FileMaker server. But, you know, I, I just 
it it's going to do my network. It's, you know, it's NAS, right? It's NAS and then some, you know, it's not fair to just call it NAS. It's, it's redundant. If one of the drives fails, you just take the drive out, you put another drive in and you're good to go. Uh, it, you don't lose any data. You can even put it in double drive redundancy mode so that it, yeah. if two drives fail. Uh, yeah, now, of course, you give up some more space to do that, but uh, some more, you know, effective, usable space to do that. But um, but I, it's, it's really, really cool. I, I, I really like okay. the thing. So, so you, it sounds like it gives you flexibility in the, the size of the drives because um, from what I recall. Yep. And actually, I want to do this with my old G5. I want to make my old G5 a RAID box. Okay. From what I recall, RAID is kind of strict as far as the sizing of the drives. If you want to get That's full right. utilization and error correction and all that stuff, where it sounds like the Drobo, you just toss things in there and it just kind of... It figures it out. out. Yeah. It, you can go to their website. It's actually cool. They've got this thing called the, the Drobo configurator on their website. And you can kind of build a Drobo and and start you know saying okay well i've got uh, you know two 1 terabyte drives and one 320 and one 540 and you know what am i going to get what are my options if i do you know the normal single redundancy or you know double redundant whatever uh, you can go through and figure it out and and there's times where you know if you've got uh let's say you've got three 1 terabyte drives and and one 2 terabyte drive well, that what that second two terabyte drive is isn't going to be able to use all of its space until you add another two terabyte drive. But it'll show you that. So you, you can be efficient about how you're putting drives in. But the coolest part is just being able to continually expand this thing. So um, and I, it's uh, now it's not cheap, you know, you, but but you get what you pay for. It's I think retail is six ninety nine. I've seen them on Amazon for six fifty. Um, you can get some deals with drives. The good news is, you know, a two terabyte uh, Western Digital SATA drive right now is is like ninety nine bucks. So, uh, you know, you, you can you hmm. can get lots of space in the thing for uh, for you know for pretty cheap once you've bought the unit. So, I've been having fun okay. with it. It's so it, that, that, it's that's cool. your new toy. That it has it has been you know, but it's the kind of thing where it, it, it's like Ronco, right? You know, you set it and forget it, and uh, and and it you know I had integrated it in i mean i played with it for a while i took some notes i I, but now it's just backing up and uh and i had it on my list oh yeah you know i want to talk about that i figured maybe in the next cool stuff found show i might i might bring it up but uh when you mentioned the time machine thing i thought oh no this is the perfect show for it so all right that is you know Uh, i'm still looking at this thing dave i I just gotta say i'm looking at this thing and how small it is and and still on my desk is the monstrosity of the g5 right and and just the fact that it is, except for the RAM, uh, in all ways equal or exceeding it, um, just show, you know, some people, some of my Twitter pals were like, well, why didn't you get the mini? You know, I mean, it's mini. It's, you know, it's a little wimpy little thing, but it's, uh, you know, based on what I'm seeing on the processor. And uh, yeah. the, uh, again, the only thing is the RAM is, is uh, not up to the level I had before, but everything else, I mean, it had all the ports I need. Uh, it came with an adapter even, you know, it came with a HDMI to DVI adapter so I could use my screen immediately. I already had a keyboard and a trackball and everything just plugged in and, and worked wonderfully. I'm just, you know, hats off to Apple. I mean, this is a wonderful machine. That's awesome. Ah, that's fantastic. That's great. And it's at 2.4 gigahertz, right? Core 2 Duo? Yeah, I got the, yeah, yeah 2.4 yeah. gig, uh, you know, the bus is, uh, I, I think, snappier than, than it was in the G5. So yeah, it's uh, it's just amazing what they uh, you know I'm I'm really tempted to uh, you know crack it open totally and see what's in there, but I, I shouldn't do that. I'll, I'll go to iFix it. I was gonna say let let Kyle Weens uh, show you. You know that's a, that's actually a great lead in because at, at MacWorld Expo, Kyle is actually doing 
a uh, well, you can hear about what he's doing in the interview I did with Paul Kent. Uh, John, I'm going to let you introduce this interview since I was the one that did the interview. What am I? Am I introducing the interview that you had with Paul Kent? That's what you're going to do. Yeah. So just go, you know, go ahead. Well, it's a, a, I guess it's a, everything you ever wanted to know about Macworld 2011. So I am here with Paul Kent, who is the uh, man in charge over at Macworld Expo. Thanks for coming and talking to us, Paul. Good to talk to you again, Dave. Yeah, man. It's uh, I look forward to this every year. Uh, and, and I know a lot of our listeners actually look forward to this because we get to hear about what's happening and, and what uh, what we can expect going into Macworld Expo. So let, let's get the details out of the way first. So it's uh, the show runs three full days this year, right? 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. starting uh, at least the Expo Hall is 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. starting Thursday, January 27th through Saturday, the 29th. Correct? Exactly. That's right. And then, uh, so there, and then there's conferences that happen too, uh, and those are on the same days, correct? We have some full day, like pre expo workshops that are on the Wednesday. Okay. And then our Mac IT, our users conference, the rest of the training all happens the same days of the expo. Makes for a busy three days. Yeah. Good. And busy is good during, during Macworld Expo. So that's right. Okay. So, uh, let's get this out of the way. We, we sailed through last year, uh, as the first year without Apple being there. And at least from my standpoint, I think it went really, really well. I mean, I'm, I'm not in your shoes, but I think you did too. And don't, but don't let me put words in your mouth. So, um, but now that that's behind us, what can we expect as the theme or vibe of this year's Macworld Expo? What, you know, what, what, what's, what's, what's happening now? How is this evolving? It's a very interesting question because evolving is, is the right word to use because a lot of things have changed. Um, We did have a very successful year last year. I mean, there were about 21,000 people, 246 exhibitors, which was by most accounts, a lot more than anybody thought was going to come last year. We didn't think it was more than anybody that was going to attend. I mean, we kind of knew, you know, who uses Macworld and how they use Macworld, but it has been an evolving story. So the, the two ways that I would answer your question, Dave, are one, the first thing is mobile is clearly the most important thing going on in our market. If you look at Macworld as kind of this mirror of what's going on in the broader marketplace, Mobile is huge. So many of our exhibitors have mobile accessories and this new area we launched called the mobile app showcase that's growing as well. The show is going to be about, about 25% bigger in terms of the number of exhibitors and the number of attendees, which we're really happy about. Growth is good, but um, it's how to interpret what's going on in that growth. It's really interesting. So mobile is the first message. And the second message is the type of exhibitors that use Macworld. It's the type of exhibitors that use trade shows. And Macworld's a very interesting um, case because it's a, it's a populist show. It's open to the public. It's not an industry-only show, right. not a press-only show, not an insider show. Anybody can come to Macworld. Users can come to Macworld. And there's not a whole lot of those things left. And it's one of the unique features of Macworld. It's one of the charms of Macworld that you actually get the real people who are using the product in, in a room together, as opposed to people who just pontificate about using the product. And it creates a very different vibe. And, and that is kind of, that's one of the great things that Macworld delivers the marketplace is that developers get a, their users bellying up to the bar, telling them what they like, and what they don't like. It's a very interesting dynamic that provides a real good value in the marketplace. But that said, the types of people who are exhibiting at trade shows. Now, this is a dynamic that is different. Um, 
How, how so? An exhibiting company has to either be new. They're trying to announce themselves to the marketplace or they have to have a product to deliver at the show. They're announcing something at the show. Really what we don't see anymore is the types of companies who simply use a trade show to stay in touch with their market. If they don't have anything to say, if they're not a new company or they're not announcing a product, they're probably not going to be at Macworld. So it's a very different dynamic. So a lot of the kind of big big booth companies that you know had to manufacture something to say in the past, um, that's not what we're seeing. The booths are smaller. A lot of new companies come into market. And like I said, that's that's how people are using trade shows in general and macro in particular right now. It's not about, oh, you know, every year we do it just because we always do it. Right. Those days are gone. That's a that's a result. Part of economy, you know, part of web marketing opportunities. You don't need a trade show to do that. What you need a trade show to do is to get in front of 600 members of the press who come to Macworld, or this year we'll have 25,000 attendees and you want to sell stuff to them. That's how people are using Macworld. Makes sense. Okay. All right. So, so that's how exhibitors are using Macworld, right? Right. And and so that's a good thing. Uh, so now, uh, what what else can in addition to all these exhibitors that and and frankly, those are the types of exhibitors that always excite me, right? Because I I going to see someone who's just there for the sake of being there. Right. Uh, sure. That's good because they're supporting, well, frankly, you, right. And, and the community <laughs> in general, right. So that that's okay. You know, but it's more exciting to see somebody who's actually got something to say. That's not the same thing they told me 12 months ago. It's a double-edged sword. And here's why. Okay. Yes. It is entirely exciting that everybody who's exhibiting at Macworld has got something to say. That's what we all want. And you know, you've been around Macworld long enough that the mantra you would often hear from longtime Macworld attendees is, but what's really cool to me are those guys in the back left-hand corner with something totally earth-shaking and new and are just coming to market. We, we, that, call, that, that, we call that shantytown here on the, exactly. uh, on the show. Yeah, and, so, and we say that with love. Absolutely. But, you know, that's the kind of the lore of Macworld is 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 the um, is the garage developer who's coming to market with something interesting. And so we're seeing a lot of that. I mean, certainly our mobile app showcase, there's going to be 100 developers there this year. Um, uh, Last year, there were about 75. uh, And that was before the iPad launch. We set aside room for 100 of it. It's going to sell out, actually. Um, A lot of those are real tiny companies that are doing something particularly interesting. It is better. But people will come to Macworld and say, well, you know, hard drive vendor X used to have a gigantic booth that I used to get a free T-shirt at. And that's the type of stuff that you don't see it anymore at Macworld. And actually, I'm fine with that. What I want is good, dynamic products. The products at the show are the star of the show. So we want to see really dynamic and interesting things put on the expo floor. Cool. Well, that sounds exciting. Okay, so so even even the the person that comes in and and can only afford an expo pass, it, I mean, it sounds like this is a this is going to be a good MacWorld to see because yeah, I mean, you know, we've got there'll be about three hundred exhibitors, a hundred in the um, in the mobile app area, and then we recently announced our feature presenters. Can, can we chat a little bit about the feature presenters? I, well, that, that's kind of where I wanted to go with it. Yeah. Well, who, what else can we see at MacWorld once we get off the exhibit floor, or even on the exhibit floor, but we're not looking at the exhibits? What What else is there? Yeah, please. So there's a couple other things, you know, macro, the way that we try to design the show. And I think this is different again, because it's a populist open to the public show. We as show management do a couple things that try to shape the experience for attendees, as opposed to, you know, just 
selling more booths to whatever kind of company would be there. You know, what we try to do is we, we actually set aside a little bit of our booth space, our floor space for pavilions on the floor to help people learn about things. Uh, and then we also have this feature pre- presentation area. All this is included with a basic expo pass. So let's talk about the feature presentations first. So I invite the feature presentations myself and my criteria for these are, you know, once upon a time, we had a, a, a rather well-known CEO of Note give the opening uh, feature presentation at Macro, but that doesn't happen anymore. Right. So faced with the task of what do we do, you know, in the absence of that, clearly, you know, we're not going to go out and find a talking head marketing executive to just kind of be up there because he can. That would have been the wrong tech to take with these presentations. And remember, you know, like from last year, we filled this room of 1800 people, you know, about seven times with the different feature presentations that we had. The goal is this. We want to find people who have elevated their use of Apple technology to some state of the art and they have something to share. They were, they were a user at one point in time that became a super power user at another point in time. And they've really kind of gone into the stratosphere. Those people who will, um, who will um, inspire attendees with their use of technology. That's a great thing for us to get everybody together in one room to learn from. So here's who we have. <clears throat> First of all, from the, the prog rock band Dream Theater, which is a very popular state of the art um, uh, group of musicians. Most of them are from the Berkeley College of Music. Our presenter actually is, is from, um, oh, Dave, help me, in New York. Juilliard, Juilliard, yeah. Offered a, he was, you know, he actually was offered a scholarship at Juilliard at the age of eleven. Jordan Rudess is the keyboard player for Dream Theater, killer and, keyboard player and great guy, by the way. Yeah, and amazing iPad developer. That's that's really? where the connection comes, right? Okay. So he's going to be doing part performance and part demonstration, kind of talking about the marriage of music and technology. And now you can kind of see this is the type of thing that we like to put on the stage for feature presentations. People have achieved some level of success in their endeavor, uh, in their field of choice, but also have a a direct connection to how technology inspired them to get there. So Jordan is a fantastic example of that. Another uh, woman that we have who's a feature presenter is a classical cellist named Zoe Keating. Zoe's been on a lot of um, podcasts. She's she's known in in the Mac industry because she's also an interface designer. And uh-huh. her presentation will be, again, part performance, part, you know, cello performance. But also she's written all of these technologies and interfaces and Apple scripts that trigger supporting music to accompany her while she performs. So cool. it's really going to be fantastic stuff. So so that's an example. That's two musical performances that are enhanced by technology that will be part of our feature presentations. So, so in addition to, to talking, these people are actually going to perform Jordan and uh, and. And now I can't remember her name, so you're going to have to help me. So yeah, Zoe Keating. Zoe, thank you. Yes, so they're they're both going to perform as well as as talk to the audience. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah, fantastic. Now the next feature presentation we have, you know, one dotted line that you can draw. Um, most Apple fans, most technology fans, have at least a passing, if not overly exuberant, interest in science fiction. And so uh, I've invited Dr. Nathan, Professor Nathan Shedroff from from the College of the Arts in San Francisco. Um, he has a presentation all about the history of science fiction films, use of technology. It's things like back when you had Flash Gordon, how did they know how to design a video conferencing system? There was no model. There was no, you know, where did that come from? Right. How did the application of technology interfaces in science fiction films evolve over time? So all the way 
from back in the 40s and 50s all the way up through, you know, Jurassic Park and, you know, things that don't exist that movies are representing as kind of de facto use technologies. Um, it's really going to be a fun presentation. So we're going to kind of look at science fiction films through the year and through the years and how technology um, has been a part of science fiction films always. So that's a really cool one. So that's another that's, one. Wow, that's really cool. I used to I used to know a guy named Bev Bevilacqua who who designed Hal uh, for for that movie, and he did some stuff with us when I was at Citibank. And just sitting down and talking to him about exactly what you're saying here, having to dream up things that don't exist, exactly. is fast, fascinating. So th- that wow, that's that's should be pretty cool. Yeah. And again, it's the type of thing that is we want all attendees at Macro to have an opportunity to come to this. So we put it in the big room. We'll have 1,800 to 2,000 in the main room and then we'll have a spillover room for anybody that can't get into the main room. But it's these types of things that if you love technology, this is a experience ad for you when you come to Macro. In addition to finding new products, you're going to you're going to just kind of be uh, inspired uh, you feel this kindred spirit. Everybody in the room kind of has a, a similar interest. And these are just enjoyable things that kind of enhance your enjoyment of macro and, and enjoyment of using Apple products. So uh, Professor Shedroff will be another person. And then we have someone who actually has been around Macworld for many years. I don't think anyone who's been to more than one Macworld has not seen him walking the, the uh, aisles. But Sinbad is actually going to be our opening presentation this year. Okay. Have you ever had a chance to meet Sinbad? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's a great guy. <laughs> yeah, really laid back. And funny, obviously a funny guy, but uh, yeah, yeah. And a, and a total Mac geek. Total Mac geek. And so and he has really kind of profound thoughts about, you know, how technology inspires creativity. So we're going to, you know, he'll do some of his stand-up. I mean, it'll be funny and fun. But also you've got to have this guy who's had, you know, some – Tremendous level of success in his field. I mean, he's an extremely well-known comedian, but he has this very deep thought about how technology has enriched his process, his journey, you know, to express his creativity. I know his daughter has a band that's trying to break right now. He talks about how um, how Apple technology has been used in the production and, and promotion of her, of her band. So he's got a lot of really deep insights. So, again, it'll be fun. It'll be humorous. It'll put a smile on your face, but it'll also give you some insights and and make you think. And these are the types of things that we like to do with our feature presentations. All right. Now, there's there's one that that and, then, and I think there's other feature presentations, but there's one in particular I just wanted to shine a light on because our audience is either geeks or people who have at least a, a passing interest in uh, in techie stuff and being geeks. And that is uh, Kyle Weens of, of iFixit. I, I believe he is also uh, going to be speaking at the show. Is that correct? Yeah. You know, you've actually told me about about Kyle in the past. And then I was, I was having lunch with Jason Snell at Macworld. And he said, you know, these videos get millions of, of hits. People are so fascinated with the technology that's under the hood of Apple technology. And so Kyle's going to come. They're going to do a teardown. I think they're going to do an iPad and a Mac. And they're just going to, you know, open one up right in front of you. Talk about how to open one up. Not that it's a good thing to do. It does void your, your warranty. Sure. But, uh, <laughs> but, we, uh, void, we void warranties all the time here, Paul. It's okay. We can talk about that go. stuff. All right. yeah. Dave says. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so uh, this will be really fun. I mean, you know, if you're interested in how, what, what is the um, technology that makes Apple products go, uh, the, the iFixit guys are going to do a couple of teardowns, talk to you about all the components that are inside. What are the technology trade-offs that were made? It'll be really a lot of fun and very interesting to get another um, insight into how Apple products are, are manufactured. What are the design choices? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I don't, if, if, 
if you haven't, as any of the listeners out there, if you haven't had an opportunity to, to meet Kyle, he is total like singular focus about how do you take this thing apart? I mean, it's something new will be announced. And within minutes he's thinking, well, where's the screw? Where's this? It, so I can only imagine how manic and yet entertaining it's going to be to watch him on stage taking these things apart. So I, I think that should be a lot of fun. And this kind of wraps together this theme that I've been talking about for two years about how Macworld has this kind of fan fest environment. You know, it's it's there's users of all levels. You know, there's there's power users. There's, you know, Fortune 500 server room managers. There's creative artists. There's musicians. There's videographers, um, photographers and average users, small business people. Macworld is a collection of all of those things. But what we try to do with these um, content rich things that we do, we try to kind of like bring everybody together for the the questions that we're all uh, in search of. You know, what's it really like to think about the Apple engineering team as they go to build products? What do famous people do when they use Apple products? Um, How are truly, you know, successful creative people using these products in their life? And you walk away, you know, enriched in some way, either inspired to go try something new yourself or more informed or, you know, you you can go back and tell your coworkers what you learned. All these types of things kind of add to the vibe of what going to Macworld is. And then on top of that, 300 companies to go discover new products to make using your Apple products better. Macworld is all about you've already bought your Apple product and now you want to find stuff to make it a more fun, more productive, uh, more enriching. Uh, that's what you find at Macworld. Awesome. Okay. Uh, so we've talked about the, uh, the feature presentations. Of course, we talked about the exhibit hall anything, anyone who's attended the conference in the past knows, at least I hope they know how much you can learn there. I can't imagine there's a whole lot you could do to change the the overall vibe. I mean, of course, I'm sure sessions are updated and, and uh, I know, well, I know sessions are updated because you force me to update my session every <laughs> year, but yeah, it, is there anything in particular with this, the conference sessions that's, that's new or different this year versus uh, the, 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 what people would have gotten in previous years? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as I mentioned before, the big message is mobile. And so we actually have full tracks in our conference now to help you learn power user techniques, product discovery opportunities for iPad and iPhone users. So there's whole tracks in our conference agenda right now that are specifically on iPad and iPhone usage uh, or deployment uh, that uh, that will help people who are who are coming to Apple technology from that angle. So I think it's actually pretty interesting. And the iPad stuff is, you know, everything from, you know, hints and tips. You know, our friend Chris Breen, uh, you know, is doing a super session to kind of take people on all of the they're documented, but they're kind of hard to find, you know, three finger swipes, four finger swipes, triple taps, all these types of things uh, that make uh, you a power iPad user. That would be at one end of the spectrum, kind of, you know, the, the kind of basics, but all the way up through Shelly Hall is talking about the top iPad apps for creative professionals. What are the must have apps if you're a creative professional and what do you need to know about them? That's, that's the difference between, it's not just a, I found this app to go buy it. I found this app to go buy it. It's really like this app is good. It's important because of this. Let me give you two or three examples about how it can enrich your creative life. So those types of things are, are, are in the conference this year. And that's a lot different, but like you said, you know, I have trusted uh, faculty members, people who are proven commodities that they work at their craft all year long, improving their skill set. I'm, you know, it, it is a requirement that if you want to repeat a session, 
that you have to update it with whatever's new. Yeah. So we rarely, if ever, will offer a session as it was the previous year. And so I kind of work with the faculty. Some need a little bit more push than others, but we want to make sure that content is always fresh because at any one time when you're at Macworld, if you're, if you're going to one of the conferences, you have seven to 10 things that you can choose from. We want those to be seven to 10 quality things that people can choose from. And that's really the goal to keep the conference fresh and interesting. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Okay. Uh, anything else geeky that I'm missing here? Uh, obviously we've been through some of it, but anything else in, in particular for the, for the, the Mac geek track or anything like that? You know, the one other thing that I, I sticking with this theme of, of inspiration, you know, we started this new program this year called the featured artist series. So I I've invited four, um, Apple artists, um, to participate in the conference. So they're going to be speaking and talking about how, how they do what they do in the conferences, but also their art will be part of the decor of the show um, to kind of get more integrated with representing what goes on in our community. And it would be really cool. I encourage people to, um, to go to the Macworld Expo website, macworldexpo.com slash featured artists and read about these four artists that we've invited to be a part of, of the event. And so we have Jonathan Mann, the, the, the song a day guy. So, you know, Jonathan, uh, he's been doing this song a day, um, activity for quite a while. His videos on YouTube get quite a few hits, but he also came to prominence when Apple was kind of going through the iPhone four antenna gate, um, press conference. They used one of Jonathan's songs as the opening to that press conference. And that's when a lot of people discovered him. So he'll be talking about how to be that prolific songwriter and how he uses Apple technology to do that. <coughs> And then his band will actually be performing a lunchtime concert one day. So that's kind of cool. We have uh, Michael Corbell, who's uh, a filmmaker, who's done a two-minute short, and he does a web series using entirely iPhone 4s as the video camera capture. And actually, the short was all edited with the iMovie iPhone app. And it's absolutely stunningly beautiful. You know, for most of us, you cannot discern this from being produced on an iPhone with a, you know, iPhone four camera with, with the iMovie app from using high end professional HD equipment. So it's really very interesting to hear how he goes about movie making just using iPhone fours as his capture devices. And then we have, um, um, Kyle Lambert is coming from England to talk about his digital artwork. Um, he does these amazing uh, drawings on the, on an iPad using only an iPad. And he talks about his, his creative process. And then we also have Joe Holmes, who's a well-known photographer, uh, a professional photographer. His brothers are actually well-known. A couple of them have worked for Apple. They, Breen has interviewed him several times. The family is kind of uh, well integrated into the Apple community. And, but Joe is, you know, a wonderful artist, really talented photographer who's going to talk about Apple technology and his workflow as well. So MacWorldExpo.com slash featured artists. You can see some sample videos, kind of see what these guys are all about. I think that's going to be a really nice flavor to the show this year. Again, it's it's come to the fan fest and share your art. That's really the big message there. So whether your art is is configuring servers on the fly or, you know, uh, dis distributing image files more efficiently or taking beautiful pictures or writing Apple scripts or, you know, creating videos or writing music, whatever it may be. That's this cultural environment that I, I love to see flourish at Macron. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so I think we've gone through just about everything that I had on my list here, other than, you know, of course uh, it is a community and, it doesn't end at six o'clock when the expo hall uh, closes. There's always stuff going on at night. Of course, Thursday night, uh, you and I are playing with the Macworld All-Star Band at our Cirque du Mac party. 
Absolutely. I'm look, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, that should be fun. Um, any, any, uh, now in, in years past, uh, your band, the, the Silicon Valley house rockers has played uh, any, any chance that, uh, you guys are playing again this year during Macworld Expo. Right now. I don't think we're going to, I think this is a year, you know, where we're going over the weekend and getting clubs on the weekend is, is a little bit of a challenge. Oh. And actually I got to tell you, I, I've enjoyed playing in the past, but my greatest joy is playing with my Macworld friends. I only get to do it once a year. And, and right. you know, we've told this story in the past, but I think it's worth telling again. The story of the Macworld All-Star Band is we email each other song suggestions. Uh, we whittle it down. We rotate who is the leader of the band. This year is Chuck Latornis. Right. Um, and, uh, and then we make a decision. We rehearse one time <laughs> and then we go out and play. And it's a total blast. You know, it's my closest friends in Mac industry. We have had a great time. The band has grown as a band together over the years. I'm really psyched about that. I mean, it's a great party. I mean, it's a wonderful party in a, in a really funky, cool uh, uh, venue. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we finally found the right the venue that was right for the party in the band. I think it, you know, that that place definitely works really well. Broadway Studios for uh, for what we've been doing. So totally. So, you know, there's a lot of things going on at night for a lot of people. I mean, some of it is you got to know someone to know someone. Other stuff will become apparent. I mean, I know Eileen is still doing her her um, Hess list. And so, you know, those things will be up for me Thursday night. Cirque du Mac is definitely the social highlight. You know, we get to kind of celebrate all the hard work we've done for the year. I get to play some music with my friends. I get to, you know, be in a great club and just the vibe is perfect. The, the band is perfect. It is, it is the best part of the week for me. I, I, I feel the same way. It's always, it, I look forward to it, but you know, we, like you said, we get an email trail going, but we're always in touch with each other for various reasons, you know, sometimes personal, sometimes, you know, business or whatever throughout the year. And it's so nice to come and be able to do that at Macworld. It, it really, it, it makes the trip. I, mean, I do the trip anyway, because I, you know, I have to, but, uh, but it really <laughs> makes the trip for me. Yeah. It's uh it's totally, yeah, it's a special thing. All right. Uh, one last thing before we let you go. Uh, one of the, one of the themes here at, uh, at the Mac Geek Cab is that we go through what we call cool stuff found. Now it's a pretty loose uh, definition. It could be an app. It could be a piece of, you know, hardware. It could be a, uh, a tip that you found anything on, on what, what are the top couple of things, couple three things on Paul Kent's cool stuff found list that you I, use I've got three mind. things for you. So okay. one is um, I'm in love with this iOS to do list manager called to do it's number two and then do. Okay. It, it syncs with a web service called Toodledo. If you want to do that, it now syncs with iCal. It is the most full-featured to-do list manager, and it is one of the main reasons why my life is slowly, actually rapidly, moving over to an iPad. The iPad version of this app is fantastic, and to-do list managers, you know, they can be cumbersome. They can be o overdone with features. Yep. This one really does it to me. And there's a couple other good ones out there, but I've logged onto this one. You know, the integration between my phone and the pad. So whatever I have has my current list with it that I can add to and I can edit and add notes to and all that type of stuff. But to do is is really, really cool. And that would be one I'd add to your list of, of great, great things that, are, that I've come across. Um, Gadget Track is another one that is really cool. So it's the ability to um, track your phone or your iPad or your MacBook if it gets stolen or lost, um, the ability to track it and, uh, and track it down uh, to the point of actually working with law enforcement. If you're, you know, if your I, if your MacBook gets, gets stolen, it'll actually, um, you know, 
has the capability to take a picture. If the guy opens your MacBook, uh, it can control the camera <laughs> that's in there and actually take a picture and send it to law enforcement. So you can really get it tracked down. Um, so a gadget track is cool. That's a, uh, that's a great one for people traveling to Macworld Expo. So totally. That, very timely. Good. Yep. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm also I, I got to spend some time with the nice folks over at Sonoma Wireworks the other day. And they have a, they, they've had a couple of great things out for a while. I mean, they've had, a, you know, a simple recorder for a MacBook, but um, they have a four track recorder for an, an iPhone and an eight track recorder, an eight track deck uh, for an iPad. And now they have a piece of hardware that you can connect to your iPhone called Guitar Port, which um, you uh, it, it, no latency, you know, great sound quality. So if if you want to get a guitar recorded right into an iPhone, the pinouts, I guess, are different on an iPhone than they are on an iPad. So it's, uh. it's not a universal thing, but they're coming out with an iPad version of it soon. But um, that's become, you know, if you have a quick idea that you want to just get recorded nice and easy, that's turned into a really useful, um, really useful thing. So Sonoma Wireworks Guitar Port. That, you know, these are these are the things that amaze me when I when it hits me that I have in my pocket something that replaces, you know, when I was a kid having a Tascam, you know, four track Porta studio was the Holy grail, right? You know, a musician in the garage, you want to record. And now all of us have the capability of having one of these in our pocket a hundred percent of the time. And it just blows me away. Let me, let me change it. Guitar Jack, guitar ports, another product. I'm looking at it right now. Guitar Jack from Sonoma fireworks. Okay. See great sound quality. Um, you can actually plug a couple other things besides your guitar into this. So it takes it takes a quarter inch jack for guitar, but it takes a couple of mini jacks as well. So you can actually you know uh-huh. have a microphone as well going into this thing. So it it really is fantastic. And uh, you know when I feel like getting an idea down quickly, now I can get my guitar stuff down. I mean you you always could use uh, um, the built in microphones to get those types of things in, but as a guitar player, it's always a little bit of a of a wrangle to get uh, electric guitar into into uh, an iOS device. That's getting easier now, and Guitar Jack is definitely one of the cooler ones. Cool, awesome. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Paul. Uh, I very much appreciate it. I know our listeners appreciate it, and I'm really looking forward to seeing you next month. Yeah, we're going to have a good time. Dave, yeah. thanks for the time to tell people about Macworld. I hope we get to see a lot of Mac Observer and Geek Gab people over there. Um, the show's doing cool. I mean, it's different, but I think it's a good different. I mean, if you like product discovery, if you like finding things you never saw before, um, if you like you know, learning from cool people like Dave um, and Chris Breen and yeah. uh, Adam Engst and Andy Anatko and, and a lot of the people you're probably reading, um, they're all at Macworld. So come to the Macworld Fan Fest, have a good time with us, and, uh, and uh, give us feedback as to what you'd like to see at the show. We always are, are getting a lot of advice from our attendees. We have a very vocal and passionate attendee base. We're always striving to make it better. It is, it is the meeting place for the Mac industry. Awesome. Thanks for coming on the show, Paul. Thanks so much, Dave. Yeah, you bet. And hopefully that answers all the questions you have about Macworld 2011, which uh, Dave and I will be at in San Francisco. Absolutely. Yeah. Looking forward to it. We are we are podcasting from the show floor. I believe we have the honor of wrapping up the show on the show floor uh, 5 p.m. slot on Saturday afternoon. So we're very much looking forward to uh, to seeing all of you there. It'll be a live geek gab. It will be a, uh, you know, cool stuff found kind of thing. But of course, we love we love the stump the geek at Macworld Expo. It, it's uh, really that's what most of it's going to be. But if you mm. don't fill up the time with our stump the geek, then then we're going to, uh, you know, we'll tell you some other stuff. But th- that's I'm what not, we look forward to. 
We do. I, I, I don't, I'm not. I'm not really crazy about it. I love it. I think it's great. <laughs> it's awesome. Oh yeah, keeps us on our toes. I, I like to prep, but yeah, getting live questions. Uh, yeah, it helps hone our geek skills. I think. So. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, this is definitely the last Mac Geek Cab of 2010. Oh, come on. One more. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty much away all next week. I'm sort of bouncing all over uh, creation. Oh, you are? Oh, yeah, we're going to see family. Fish. Well, we're going to oh. see Fish on Monday and Tuesday down in Massachusetts. And then and, and the kids are actually going down to Connecticut on Monday. And then uh, we're going to go down to, well, it's actually not Connecticut. Somewhere in New York State with uh, my wife's family. And uh, and we're going to catch up with them for a couple days, and then we're coming back, you know, uh, I think Thursday, maybe Friday. I don't know. So, right. uh, let's see. Uh, of course, we'd like to, uh, you know, I, this show probably won't be, well, why not? Yeah. We'll, Come on, we'll, Dave. we'll send this to Michael. So, uh, yeah, I, at first when I thought it was just the Paul Kent interview, I thought, man, maybe it doesn't make sense to do the... Uh, the enhancement for this one. I wasn't sure if there was much to enhance. Uh, and actually, I don't know if there is much to enhance. Is there? Is it? Is it? Uh, is it I mean, uh, some, some of the articles about what I did, I mean, I'll, I'll see if I can get to Michael. But for example, how to do the... Well, no, if he searches for this, uh, and, and I think that if, you, if you go online and you look for a time right, machine... So we're going to have a show enhance. New, new serial number. Uh, uh, I'm not the only person that had this problem. No, no, no. So certainly, okay. So uh, a a uh, likely enhanced, unless Michael's just not around. I don't know about his availability. Usually, I set all this stuff up with him kind of ahead of time. We have a working schedule, but he was not expecting another show this week. So I don't know if I don't know if this will be enhanced. But either way, we'd like to thank Michael Johnston from the We Have Communicators podcast for doing the enhancement of this show. Uh, of course, Cashfly provides the bandwidth. C a c h e f l y dot com. The podcast marketplace this month includes the A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, Yojimbo from Barebones Software for both the Mac and the iPad, Disc Label from Smile, and of course Notebook for the Mac and the iPad from Circus Ponies all through Backbeat Media. That's it. We're out of here. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Holiday Season. And and today, Happy Festivus. Ah, do you have your grievances? Ready? Yes, that's right. We should have aired our grievances, John. <laughs> to pick with you. I have no grievances. Why I ought My grievances with your lack of grievances. All right, have fun, everybody. Don't get caught. Thanks again for another great year. Made up. Thank you. <laughs>